This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is the April Patreon. It's already April. Yes. Shit. It is. So, big news. Lacey has made a Facebook page. For, I have. For the Patreons. Just for you. So, hopefully it doesn't get too wild. Just kidding. Get wild. Get wild with it. Yeah, it's... Okay, so you can type in US of M podcast patron only group. Once you find it, it'll have our little cartoony picture on there. You'll know it's us. It'll ask you one question to join, and since you're all patrons, the keyword is my face. It doesn't matter if it's caps or whatever, because a human has to approve it anyway. So type that in. I mean, at this point, we we know who the patrons are, but right. eventually, if a different admin needs to know, Got it. they'll know if you type my face, that means you're getting in. So it's on the main patron page, too, if you go online and check that out, or just send us a DM and say, how do I get on here? And Lacey will fix it oh, for you. I'll try to help you. If I don't know how, I'll try to figure it out. So today, Lacey's going to throw out some true crime in the headlines. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you a horrifying spring break story about an American college student who gets sacrificed by a Mexican cult. Oh my goodness. I feel like we don't talk enough about cults. I, well, we don't. But <laughs> Some are interesting. Some are... Ooh. I know. I think I know what you're going to cover. This one sucks, and it's it sucks. This one sucks it's real hard. Wild. I didn't wild. know it was a spring break type case. Spring break, to be honest. Too. So you want to go first? Or you want me to go sure. first? I'll start with one of my cases. Well, so we didn't cover this case, but the Indiana State Police have identified the I-65 killer after a 30 year investigation. Damn. Who's yeah. it? Well, to give you some background first, I'm going to keep you in suspense. Actually, one of my friends that lives in Fayetteville now sent me this on Facebook. So to give some background, in the late 1980s and early 1990s, several women were murdered or sexually assaulted in a series of attacks at hotels along the Interstate 65 corridor in Kentucky and Indiana. First, Vicki Heath was found dead at a Super 8 motel in Elizabethtown, Kentucky in 1997. And Margaret Peggy Gill and Jeanne Gilbert were killed two years later at separate Days Inn locations in Indiana. Well, then in early 1990, a Jane Doe was sexually assaulted at the Days Inn in Columbus, Indiana. For decades, these attacks remained unsolved as investigators worked together to piece what information they had to identify a suspect. And now they have Harry Edward Greenwell who died in 2013 from cancer at the age of 68, has been identified as the killer behind the I-65 or Days Inn cold case murders. Indiana State Police just announced this Tuesday in a news release that he had a long criminal history spanning from 1963 to 1998. He lived in Iowa at the time of his death, and you want to guess how they solved it. My favorite. Somebody uploaded their DNA. <laughs> Lacey yes. just will walk down the street swapping shit. For I'll DNA. swap you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Harry Greenwell was identified through a process known as investigative genealogy, which involves uploading crime scene DNA through genealogy databases to find any genetic relatives and locate the offender through their family tree. Mm-mm. I will say my family is screwed because, well, at least on my my dad's side, 
We're all into genealogy. We're on all the things. We've all swapped our distant, long-lost cousins. If they're committing a crime, they're screwed. It'll be real easy to track. It'll be real easy. So several cases have recently been solved using similar databases, including, you know, the more popular Golden State Killer case. Harry Greenwell, who frequently traveled throughout the Midwest, had a, quote, extensive criminal history. So in 1963, he was sentenced to two years in the reformatory and five years probation for an armed robbery in Kentucky. Two years later, police arrested him on a sodomy charge. Yeah, he was paroled in 1969 from the Kentucky State Penitentiary. That's not how you say that. Penitentiary. Oh my god. (laughs) Have you been drinking? Not yet. What's the problem? I'm, I can't talk well can't when I'm talk so, when you're sober. I slur when I'm sober. She can't read. And speak better when I'm drinking. Okay. Greenwell was paroled in 1960, in 1969 from the Kentucky State Penitentiary. Penitentiary? It's because I have it spelled wrong. Penitentiary. <laughs> Please leave all Why this. Why did it not? Please leave all this in. <laughs> okay. I'm reading... From my word, and it's a typo, and it didn't give me any squigglies. It didn't correct my spelling. Oh, Lord. You learn something new every day. I'm glad this is the patron episode. I'd get some, ah, she's so dumb, emails. She's got her mouth full of cornbread. (laughs) Please make it the jalapeno kind. Oh, mmm. He served a sentence in Iowa in prison for burglary. Police said he escaped. And was captured twice. So he escaped prison twice. What was going on back in the day? People could just escape prison. You don't hear about that happening as much anymore. No. Well, the prison released him in 1983. And then five years later, the investigation into the Dazen killer began. Investigators also believe that it's possible there are other murders, rapes, robberies, and assaults yet to be connected to the killer. So I-65 runs from Mobile, Alabama north to Gary, Indiana, and investigators are actively working with other departments in the Midwest to determine if Greenwell was a perpetrator of other violent crimes yet to be solved. So there's some pretty violent crimes. It wouldn't surprise me if he was involved in quite a bit more. I know. And when they're going up on the, you know, up through the interstate, they travel a lot. Anything's possible. I'm just saying. So you want to tell me about your spring break case? I do. So I'm going to tell you about the spring break case since we're just coming off spring break. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, reading about all of these and doing research, I was surprised at how many fucking terrible spring break cases there are. And most of them are still unsolved. Really? It's not just girls. Men get attacked and murdered too. Yeah. Just like this guy I'm about to tell you about, which is horrible. So... Mm -hmm. Buckle up. Buckle up. So Mark James Kilroy was born March 5th, 1968 in Chicago, Illinois. His dad was a chemical engineer and his mom was a paramedic. He was raised in Santa Fe, Texas with his brother, Keith. Mark was a good student, played all the sports. He was a Boy Scout. He graduated number 14 in a class of 200. He was on student council. So like, he's a good kid. Mm -hmm. Good kid. So he graduated in 1986 and attended Southwest Texas University, but then transferred to Tarleton on a basketball scholarship. Hmm. I don't know where that college is. Obviously Texas, but then he transferred again to the University of Texas at Austin and was pre-med. Okay. 
So on March 10th, 1989, his buddy Brad picks him up for spring break. So a little sidebar. I know, you, when were you born? Not even, You weren't born in 1980s? 88. Oh, okay. Well, an 80s baby. You are an 80s baby. But this was a fire year for music. I just totally dove down a giant went rabbit hole. I went deep. Music. I went Good. deep. I love um, the tangent. So just in 1989, Debbie Gibson's Lost in Your Eyes was number one. Mm. Like a prayer was on the chart. My prerogative. Straight up by Paula Abdul. Man, the it was list, the year. It goes on and on. And I downloaded like 50 songs to put in my ear holes while I did this research. Just so you know. <laughs> And movies. This was oh. a big year for movies, too. The Little Mermaid. Really? Still Magnolias. Roadhouse. She-Devil. True Beverly Hills. Weekend at Bernie's. So many good huh. movies. 1989 was fucking fire. Just saying. Some would say, though, that 88 was better. I mean, fight me in the comments. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I was too young to appreciate it at the time. Oh, yeah. I was just nine. Yeah. But literally love everything about this year. Except for this well, murder. Yeah. Except for this murder. Okay, so back to the story. Mm-hmm. So they head to pick up two more friends, Bill and Brant. Brant's a very 80s name. Yeah, Don't yeah. You yeah, you're right. Kinda. Brant. Brant or Blaine. I was about to say yeah. Blair. Mm-hmm. Blair. Like all the B words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going to South Padre Island. Okay. And they get there and there's no party. Like they're like the first spring breakers to arrive. So, slowly it starts to pick up. Mm -hmm. They made friends with a group of girls from Purdue. They partied till dawn, went to the beach the next day, and then planned a trip to Mexico, which was only about an hour away. Yeah, they're really close. Yeah. So, they leave that night. They stop in Port Isabel, Texas to eat. They meet a group of girls from the University of Kentucky there. Wow. I mean, these boys got some game. They're just picking them up. So, they're also on their way to Mexico. So, the girls Mm. follow the boys in their car to Brownsville. They all park and walk across the border by foot, which is what a lot of spring breakers do. Yeah. So, they spend most of the night at Sergeant Pepper's in Metamores. Eventually, split up from the girls, head back to South Padre. Mm. So, on March 13th, the group of boys do the same thing. Party all day, then head to Mexico that night. This time, it's flooded with spring breakers. So the group heads for Los Sombreros because it had the shortest line. <laughs> Sounds like some shit we would do. This line's shorter. Let's yeah, just go to this bar. For real. So Alcohol's after, right. Yeah. We'll just drink here. So after a few drinks, they head to the Hard Rock Cafe. Mm. Mark meets up with some girls at the bar and starts hanging out with them. His friends kind of go their own way. And then around 2 a.m., Bill suggests they all head home. So as they leave, They spot Mark, leaned up against a car, talking to a girl. Bill goes to pee in an alley, comes back. Mark has disappeared. So when you say going home, you mean to... uh, Back to their hotel. Okay. In Mexico, though, or in... They're staying in South Padre Island Okay, so it's just so... So they're just parked. Not far, okay. Yeah, so they're parked. It's like a 20-minute walk across the border to these Mm -hmm. bars. Like, you can see them where you park your car. And I guess a lot of spring breakers do that. Mm -hmm. So anyways, he comes back, can't find Mark. He's yelling for him. No answer. Mark has been lured into a red pickup by two men. Men? They offered him a ride. Oh. 
And soon after he realized they were bad dudes, he wrestles away from them and runs. But he only gets two blocks before he's intercepted by a car and taken at gunpoint. His face is wrapped in duct tape. He's handcuffed and thrown in the back of the car. Meanwhile, his friends are still looking for him. Like, they didn't see all this. Yeah. So, they're searching everywhere. Eventually, they decide to head back to the car to see if maybe he went ahead and is Mm -hmm. waiting for them. Nope. They get there. There's no sign. So, they decide to go back to the hotel. Maybe he's there. They get there. Nope. Nothing. So, then they're like, okay. You know, it's 4 a.m. at this point. They're going to call it a night thinking, well, maybe he, he hooked up with some chick and he's with her. So they all go to bed. The next morning, they cannot find him. So they call the police. And this is treated as a missing persons case. Just a typical missing persons mm-hmm. case. He was just one of 60 people who disappeared in the first three months of 1989 in oh this area. God. In this area? Yes. Students usually would show up after a few days, but Mark didn't. So his uncle hears about this, and he blows it up. Good. So Uncle Ken works at um, the U.S. Customs Service in Los Angeles. Hmm. And he's calling all over trying to get this. Let's figure out, where's my nephew? Like, he's pissed. So a police task force is formed in Brownsville to help look for him. And the local police and the Metamores are all, you know, in together. But they're more worried about their tourism in Mexico than they mm-hmm. are of actually finding Mark. Yeah. So they try to pass it off like Mark disappeared in Texas. He wasn't here. Oh, gosh. And then the friends come forward and they're like, no, fuck you. No, he was there. Yeah. He never came back with us. So the Mexican federal police force, they start helping the U.S., and they both start to think that maybe this was a robbery or drug-related disappearance. But there are no leads. Hmm. It's very slow progress. A hypnotist is called in to try what? to help get information from the boys to see what they can oh, remember. Okay. And they all remember a guy talking to Mark, but couldn't tell you what time or exactly where. Oh, gosh. And they knew this wasn't for ransom because no one had reached out. Yeah. And the police at this point are like... He's most likely dead and dumped somewhere in Mexico. Good Lord. Yeah. Thanks for the... So the U.S. Border Patrol brings in helicopters and all-terrain vehicles, but there was nothing found of Mark. His parents head to the Rio Grande Valley, pass out about 20,000 handouts to people, and people from his hometown head down to help search, but nothing's found. Like, they're literally doing all they can do. Mm Mm-hmm. U.S. authorities are getting pissed at Mexican authorities because they feel like they're not sharing enough information and they kind of suspect that there are some insiders in the group that maybe know what happened to Mark. They just, they don't trust anybody. Yeah. No. So on March the 26th, his case is featured on America's Most Wanted and it gains nationwide notoriety. This leads to letters coming in and other leads coming in, but nothing is helpful. So on April the 1st, 1989, at a road stop on Serpentine Road that leads to Metamores, a red truck crosses from Texas and just drives right through the checkpoint. And they recognize the driver 
as one of the Hernandez family who are kind of some bad dudes in Mexico. Mm. And they're like, he's part of that. So they follow it in an unmarked car and it leads them to the family ranch. So they wait about 30 minutes and then they move in. They find drugs. They look around. They find a statue of, I believe it's called Aliqua, which is the trickster god. Hmm. It's like a statue. So this is definitely suspect to the Mexican authorities after they see the statue because it's used in a lot of, like, hoodoo voodoo shit. And they're like, this is not cool. So on April the 9th, they arrest five men. And none of them seem to be afraid. Like, they're not worried about the cops. Mm -hmm. So they all go down to the station. And one of the men identify Mark as being at the ranch. So they're leading him into the police station. And there's a missing persons picture up of Mark. And the dude's just like, "What? I saw that dude handcuffed in the back of a truck. And police are like, what the fuck? Like, we just thought we were, you know, arresting some drug runners. There's no connection to Mark as far as they're concerned. Like, they don't know. So they begin to question them. And one of them starts talking and says, yes, we killed Mark. He was chosen at random after we were told to find a white man to sacrifice. And yes, we have killed many others. So this was a cult. They're they're, just telling the cops all this. Yes, because they think they're untouchable. Oh, my gosh. So, this was a cult, and their leader was Adolfo Costanzo, and he killed Mark with a machete, and he's buried on the ranch. That's what they're telling the cops. Oh, my gosh. So, these guys didn't think anything could happen to them because they were led to believe by this cult leader that they would be protected and untouchable after they sacrificed a white man. They thought of it as kind of like magic or um like some type of santeria okay yeah so police need proof right so they go back to the ranch on april 11th and they go to a shack on the back of the farm and the police hadn't seen this before when they were searching and as soon as they open the door they smell death Mm. they order them to drag out what appears to be a cauldron what yeah There were candles half burned everywhere and definitely looked like some kind of voodoo shit was going on. So inside the cauldron was sticks and gore. Just yuck. Matted hair, chicken feet, a goat's head, a human brain, a horseshoe, a turtle, herbs and coins all mixed in with animal blood. Yeah. Literally... Lazy's face. I don't even know what to say. Were they eating this? Were they rubbing it on? What? What? I, I never found out what they were doing oh, with it, but it just is the God. most random <gasps> cauldron of weird, also scary shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, like a chicken God. foot's fucking scary. Just, I'm sorry. Just I like walk, a chicken foot? If I no. In and saw a goat's it. head? Absolutely oh, not. My God. And a turtle? Get No, I'm done. Oh, Anyways. Oh, God. Oh, God. So they demand to know where Mark is buried. And the men show him a pile of dirt with a rod sticking out to the ground. They told him that there was a wire inserted into Mark's back. And when the body decayed, they would pull out the wire and his vertebrae was attached. They planned to make jewelry and wear it for good luck. What? From the bones of his vertebrae. Yes. 
The men told them that Mark's brain had been removed and boiled in the pot. Oh, my God. He was tortured and sodomized and then led out to a field where Costanzo chopped the back of his neck with a machete. So this torture went on for like 12 hours. Like, this is the shit that scary movies are made of. Yes. Put it, like, I can't put myself in his shoes. But no, my God. That's the worst, maybe, oh my God. way to go. This sounds I like mean, a made-up story. And to, for it to last that long, yeah. to be tortured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Young guy on spring break having yeah. fun. Oh. Talk about wrong place, wrong time. Oh, it's horrifying. And then he almost got away. Oh. So the men are instructed to dig him up. Oh and the police are looking around, and there are several other areas that look like this. So there are 15 graves, to be exact, of 15 other people that have been murdered. So his body's dug up and there are no legs. They said they cut his legs off to bury him easier. Well, where'd they put the legs? Never found. Oh, God. Mark was identified by his teeth that were found elsewhere on the ranch. I was about to say, I would be surprised no. he, he had didn't have any in his mouth. mouth. Oh they were on, yeah, on the ranch. So on April the 12th, 1989, there was a press conference held where these men answered questions from the press, which is crazy to me. Wait. Yeah. Like the men who committed this crime were on like a panel and the press was asking them questions in Mexico. What? Like we don't do that shit in the United States. I'm just saying. What? Yeah. Crazy. I know. So on April 13th, services were held for Mark in Texas. Two weeks later, Mexican authorities burned down the shack and left a wooden cross in its place to kind of uh, make the ground holier so there was no voodoo shit coming out. Like, they really believed this stuff in Mexico. They took a healer with them who said a few prayers and purified the area. And the police said that this would draw out the cult leader. Like, if he saw his temple essentially being destroyed... That it would kind of, he would come out. Hmm. So, who was this cult leader? Adolfo Costanza. He was born in Miami in 1962 and was actually Cuban. He wasn't even Mexican. Interesting. Oh. So, he would go with his mom to Haiti when he was growing up and learn all about voodoo and the differences between Santeria and Paolo. So, Santeria uses light for magic, and Paolo uses dark. So, mom marries a guy who's involved in the occult and believed that non-believers should just kill themselves with drugs. What? Mm Mm-hmm. And they believed in this this Paolo, or it's like, it's from an African region that involves animal sacrifice and is the most powerful form of black magic. And it uses dark forces to protect you. His mother believed that he had psychic abilities. And in 1984, he moved to Mexico City and started his life in tarot and eventually had a cult following. And his reputation for predicting the future made him very popular with drug dealers, police officers, and musicians. And he became, became very, very wealthy. It's insane. I'm Googling him. And he's not a bad looking guy. No, that's, I think he's that's like, why I'm so surprised. No. I'm surprised he's so young. He looks like Emilio he looks, Estevez. He he looks like an 80s actor. Yeah. 
He looks like he was on St. Elmo's Fire. I would think he... 100%. Would, when you talk about a cult leader, I I mean, I know Charles Manson was young when he Same. started to. I, I'm thinking I think squirrely like guy, old, beard. Yes. Looks just, like he wants to stab you. I would leave a bar with this dude. 100. Especially in 1989. This is... If Lost in Your Eyes was playing, I'm gone. I'm in the, I'm in the cult now. This guy, I... Oh my God. Yeah. Holy crap. They have pictures of these. Oh my Lord. They have pictures of the cauldron. Yeah. We'll post them for you guys. You'll love it. Just kidding. It will make you have nightmares. Oh, oh. So anyways, two weeks after burning the shack, police surround Adolfo's apartment in Mexico City and he has been losing his shit since the public burning and started being careless and going out and acting like a lunatic. Mm. Police show up. He starts shooting at the police. There's a standoff. He convinces one of the people in the house to shoot him and his boyfriend. Oh, yeah. By the way, he had a boyfriend. He was homosexual. We love it. We don't love your cult leader. No. But not, don't love you that. do you. So. Holy crap. He. He's yeah. He and his boyfriend get in the closet and they shoot through the door. He convinces them to shoot through the door and kill us. We don't want to say it, just shoot through the door. So they do. And the cops swarm in and arrest three people and charge them with multiple murders. And they are ordered to serve prison sentences of over 60 years each. A total of 23 bodies were found at the Metamores Ranch. They were all connected to this cult in Adolfo. 40 other bodies were found in and around Mexico City that were all mutilated and had been sacrificed. Yeah, I know. The story's fucked up. So there's a movie called Cauldron of Blood. Oh my gosh. There's also a TV show on Oxygen called Deadly Cults. And this is in season one, episode four. And there's a book. I'll have to watch the Oxygen show. Called Sacrifice, which is written by oh. Jim Kilroy, Mark's dad, and Bob Stewart. Oh my gosh, his dad. Mm. God. So that's my crazy fucked up story. So did they ever find out who these other people were? That were murdered? Yeah, like the other I, people. I mean, age. they were, no. I didn't see anything. I wonder how many of them could have been uh, Could have been Americans, yeah. Before. Who knows? So just just doing a quick search. He was 26. A 26-year-old yeah. cult leader? Mm-hmm. He, it blows my mind how some people just have some charisma or they know who to get to listen to them. And just these guys that just thought they were untouchable because they killed this guy for him. What in the world? I mean, it's hard for me to get a third date, and this guy's like, "What? In cut, the cut world? this. Go get me a yes. dude and cut his head off, and like, and like bury him and put something in his spine." And they're like, "Okay, oh crazy. That's crazy." So some people oh. think that these guys actually dressed up as cops, and that's how you they know, got him. Yeah. Like they had lights and all that, mm-hmm. and maybe they were like freeze, and he did. Mm-hmm thinking maybe he was in trouble for, like, public intox or something, and then they swooped him up, which makes sense. There was also, I mean, this whole thing is insane. You guys will have to just look it up and read it. But there was also an American girl who was a part of this cult who was actually in college in Texas. And so some people think that maybe... That was one of the girls that Mark was talking to that oh night. Oh, my gosh. And she was kind of, you know, doing her sexy dance and thinking, yeah. But it's a whole other theory. It was too much. It's a lot. But, yeah, there's a lot of, it's terrible. It's terrible. My mind is blown. I, I've Awful. seen something about this because I remember my mom, she loves true crime, and she watched something about it. And she was like, I 
when because when I go up there, she'll be like, I recorded this for you. And Aww. so we'll watch it or whatever. And I remember watching it's something. Crazy. It, I can't remember what it was. So sad. It's. That's horrifying. That is literally like a scary fucking movie. I would just be begging them to just kill me. You know, after having all that hat, like, and there was something enough. about the the hour that, oh, like, thirteen was bad, but twelve was good, so they had to make it last for twelve oh hours. There was a bunch of shit about that too that I was like, I'm, I'm it's too long. Not didn't read. <laughs> just oh, God. You can look and look it up. Yeah, I'm. Jeez. So let's switch gears. I've got some fun trivia for you, real quick. <sighs> okay. So let's clear all that this out of your good. mind. In the spirit of the 80s. Okay. I have some 80s trivia for you. I'm going to do terribly, but... Five questions. Okay. Oh, God. All movies. Oh, man. This so maybe they'll be forte. super easy for you. Uh-uh. Are you ready? There's only five. You'll be good. Number one. This was the highest grossing film of the decade. Of the decade? Of the 80s, period. Come on. The Breakfast Club? You're fired. I don't know. E.T. Oh. E.T. E.T. Number two. You're doing terrible, by the way. I don't know movies. (laughs) Number two. What was Baby's real name in Dirty Dancing? Everyone listening to this is screaming right now. Hold on. Oh, my gosh. I I know it. Francis Houseman. Oh. Lacey's buying me a drink tonight because she sucks at 80s trivia. Uh, (laughs) Okay, number three. This 1983 Tom Cruise film featured the song Old Time Rock and Roll. There's two I'm thinking of. Oh, boy. Well, you're going to And I've never seen either of the movies. What? Old Time Rock and Roll? Was in the movie. Can I get two guesses if I'm wrong the first time? That's technically you're wrong. (laughs) Risky Business? Yeah. I've never seen Whiskey Business. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Okay, number four. What candy became popular because of E.T.? Oh, uh, Reese's Pieces. Pieces. Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. So you're two. Okay, last one. Number five. If you get this right, you win. Zero percent chance. (laughs) What was the most popular video game of the 80s? Do you mean like single game or like platform? Like, Video game. Like, like the game. What's the most popular game? In the 80s? In the 80s. I would argue to date, but. Wait, any game. Video game. Video game. Not a well, board does... game. It's a video game. <gasps> You're making this hard. No, I know, but I'm like, does this count? Is it Does Pac-Man count? Is it, It's not Pac-Man? That's what I'm thinking of. Like, Pac-Man. well, you got it wrong. Okay, it's Mario Brothers. Oh, Lacey really? will In the never 80s? be my phone a friend. Never. Honestly, don't ever movies. No. I do not know movies. I'm I'm a TV person. Beep boop, meet moop. No, Lacey. <laughs> I love the Brat Pack. Give me some Brat Pack. <laughs> That's a movie. No, the Brat Pack, like all their movies. Oh, all of the eighties. Like, but the that's Brat still Pack. movies. I'm good. That's the only 80s, 80s stuff I watch, and mm. that's all. I watch DT, but it's been decades. I know that that boy is the same guy that was in... What boy? 
What the hell are you talking the about? The E.T. boy on the the one in, on the bicycle? Elliot? Elliot. Elliot is the guy from um, The Haunting of the <gasps> House. He grew up to be a handsome devil, didn't he? That was my first movie in theaters was E.T. I don't know if I remember my first movie in theaters. I don't remember. It's just it was written in my baby book. Oh. <laughs> I was like three or four. Oh, okay. Well. Well, now on to something darker. Oh. Well, I'm sorry. I'll end on a high note. I okay, I have, have a quicker update. Okay, because quick update. To be honest, this is a case I don't want to delve into much, and you don't want it either. Oh, but Jesus Christ. Lori Vallow. There's been I updates. Can't. So this is a pretty public case, and I'm sure almost everyone's heard about it. Long story short, Lori Vallow, who's currently 48 years old, was charged with the murder in the deaths of her two children, Tylee and Joshua who were 16 and 7 when they were last seen in September of 2019. They were last seen in September 2019. Their bodies were found on her husband Chad Daybell's property in June 2020. Chad Daybell was also indicted on first-degree murder charges. While multiple people close to Lori said that she had bizarre doomsday beliefs and were concerned with her mental state, indictment said the couple did endorse religious beliefs for the purpose of encouraging and or justifying the homicides. They also spoke frequently about the end of the world. Yeah, according to the statement, Lori Vallow had, quote, radical beliefs, including that she was an exalted goddess and that she and Chad Daybell were directed to lead 144,000 people in preparing for the end of the world. Lori and Chad each faced charges related to the deaths of their former spouses as well. Chad is charged with murdering his ex-wife, Tammy, who was initially believed to have died in her sleep on October of 2019, less than three weeks before he married Lori. He's pleaded not guilty. Lori's facing a charge of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder in Tammy Daybell's death. Well, almost a year ago, Lori was committed to an Idaho mental health facility. That's what's kind of paused the case. Well, they have just declared that she is now mentally fit to stand trial. So things are going to be moving forward now. The Idaho District Judge Stephen Boyce wrote in a ruling that Lori is, quote, restored to competency and fit to proceed. So. I hate her so fucking much. Because I've been wondering what's up with that case. Well, it's just because she's, when I saw that, I'm like, she's. She's. I was reading more into it and the more I read about it, it was just so infuriating. It kind of goes along with the cult stuff. Oh, for sure. Uh Uh-uh. Just. Uh Uh-uh. No, I hate her so much. And it kind of just seems, just, ugh. Anyway, on to lighter things. That was just a quick update because it's very relevant what's going on right now. So, you know, on our Facebook group, go join it. Well, the patron group. Uh, I asked ask for Ask Ashley questions. Oh, God. So, continue to post stuff on there, please. Well, I, I got a couple. <laughs> okay. So, Nick said that you've made several comments before about bad dates. What was your worst date and why? And I, when I saw that, I'm like, she's got got to have so many. But how would you even? It doesn't have to be the very worst one if you can't think I, of it. Just I, a bad, a bad, okay, bad, a bad date, a okay. bad baddie. I uh, did go on a date with a guy, and we went to a Mexican restaurant, and he, you know, it was like one of those that you pay at the like where you leave, like the cash register, yeah, like, like they when don't you're come, walking, yeah, when you're walking out. out. So we had just like a couple drinks and like cheese dip or whatever. So he gives me a 20 
and it's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, just pay. So I'm like, okay. So it's like 17 and some mm-hmm. change, whatever. So she gives me my change back and I take it and put it on the table for like a tip mm-hmm. and then put like three or $4 with it or whatever. And so I'm, I come back and I'm standing by the door. He comes up and he's like, where's my change? I'm like, it was like $2 and like 20 cents. He's like, yeah, where is it? And I was like, I put it on the table for a tip and then tipped more. Mm-hmm. He like almost started an f- argument with me when we walked outside about not giving him his change Was back. he not going to tip? I, I'm assuming not. And then was like, almost comes off like, how dare you just take my money and assume? And I'm like, whoa. Two something? Two dollars and like 20 cents. I'm like, okay, I can't. I can't do it. And he made a thing over it? It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing like the whole walk to the car. Oh, like it was my. like letting. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm like, okay, this is, no. So that was one bad date. Yeah, there that's, you go. That's there it. are many more. I'm sure there are. But in this treasure chest of loneliness. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> This may go hand in hand, oh, but boy. Jamie said she wants to know more about your parting with the Amish. People really responded well to the Amish stuff. I gotta say, I'm alone. I've never partied with any Amish. So, fun fact. Did you I, date one? No. Okay. So, I was in Indianapolis mm-hmm. with a guy that I was dating. Okay. And we went and saw this band at like this dive bar, and there was this guy there I went to the bar to get a drink and there was a guy there that you know we just kind of struck up conversation and I could tell he was like off did he have a beard a big yeah beard? okay so I'm like oh, well I mean what whatever we're Curly, in a dive bar um, your face you have a okay. face of pubes like whatever do you do you yeah yeah cool whatever dive bar there were some other people in there that looked like they may be suspect but whatever <laughs> the dive bar <laughs> A dive bar. It's a dive bar. If you're not suspect in a dive there's, bar. There's suits. There's serial killers. That's Midtown Billiards. Exactly. It yes. doesn't. You don't even know what's suits going on. Suits and serial killers. It's a good time. So, anyways, we hung out and started talking, and then the guy I was with, and we kind of all, and then more people came, and then it was just we ended up leaving there and going back to the hotel and having like a hotel party. And then we left there, ended up going out again. And it was just like the hangover. Okay. So it was fun. It was yeah. a good time. But he was, yeah, he was on his. So you found out so later. So he was on his rum spring. He, well, once he told us that's what he was on. You knew. Okay. Then it was like, oh, well, we've got to party with this dude and make sure that he just throws caution to the wind tonight. Well, I've heard they it get. It's and they can be years, yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, I went to a. I didn't know how long he was on it. It was irrelevant, but we're like, fuck it, let's find some hookers and cocaine. Just kidding, we didn't do that. <laughs> but if we would have, and a donkey, whatever. Oh lord, <laughs> he's like, I'm for sure going back. Oh gosh, <laughs> I never want to be outside again. <laughs> that churning butter was fun. <laughs> Safe at home. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. How she's dead now. I think. I think the thing is, they go too hard, so they're like, oh, I just want to go back. This is too much. Mm. Maybe. Or maybe they just want to get it out of their... Either they want to get it out of their system, but I just am like, why would you go back? I guess because they'll be shunned forever by their whole well, family yeah, if they I don't. don't. But that's rough. That's a hard... I couldn't... No. I, I could never. First of all, no AC. No. 
No. Electricity? No. You don't know bands? You don't know How music? Do you, after you've, he's been in a dive bar, he knows music. And, and it was, let me tell you who the dive bar was. Get this. You're going to shit your pants. Kings of Leon. At a dive bar? They were fucking nobody. Oh my gosh. Nobody knew who they Little were. Does this Little Amish man out there in the world. No, no. If he went back, saw, who knows? He doesn't even know what a big time band is. Maybe, maybe he stayed maybe out. Maybe he stayed who out. Knows? Who knows? He didn't Remember have a cell name? phone. <laughs> no, it was like a Jetta Jera something. I don't know. It was sounded like one of the children of the corn. Okay. Just in a nutshell. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't but, worry. The, yeah. Oh my. Kings of Leon, nobodies in the U.S. Dive bar, Indianapolis. Met an Amish Little dude on Rumspringa. Hung out, did all the things, party, 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 fly out the next day, no muss, no fuss. Good time. Are they allowed to uh, fly or did he yeah. travel with the horse and buggy? I mean, they can fly. Okay. I tried not to be too questiony. That would be so hard for me to do. I'd be like, you me. would be like interrogating. All I'd want to know is about, uh, tell me everything. Lacey's got him in the bathroom with a stop bar with a spotlight in his face. Tell me. <laughs> It's true. I'm so nosy. I love learning about stuff like and that. And I'm though. over here like, we got to get you fucked up and laid. <laughs> what do you like? Do you like blondes, brunettes? Do you oh, like, are you an ass guy? You look like an ass guy, Jeremy. Yes. No. <laughs> the bonnets are covering up their hair. He's like, what's blonde? What's a brunette? Like, what? That's a good time. Oh my good time. gosh. Anyways. Wow. Well. It's been a fun update episode, except for all the, the bad stuff. Oh, no. Except for all that. But anyway, we'll have to come up with a fun theme. Well, you know, for May. For May. We're going to a concert this weekend. Yeah, we are. We're going to We're see, see Waxahachie and, and Maddie Diaz. And, and I'm excited about her. Yeah. Well, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. But. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. <sighs> all right. Good time. All right. Till next, till next Til month. Till next month. Bye. Hasta la vista. Bye.